Hello everyone and welcome to my podcast. I'm Jordan Lewis and this is Searching Scripture. Each episode I go over questions that I might be having for myself or questions that I get asked and share with you all what I find. I believe that the Bible is a complete and true word of God and that there is nothing in the Bible that God didn't allow there as well as nothing left out of the Bible that God did not want out. Join me while I answer today's question using scripture. Hey everyone, it's Jordan. Um, Sorry for the delay in episodes. I'm sure a lot of you know that I just had my second son born. His name is Bo. Uh, Was born very healthy, 8 pounds, 12 ounces, uh, 21 inches, so he's a good-sized kid. Um, However, uh, he did have to spend some time in the NICU just due to some high respiratory issues, uh, but through a lot of prayer and um, just really hanging tight and, and trusting God, um, they sent him home early, and so, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at now, he's home, uh, he's loving being here, we love him being home, and, uh, he's loving his big brother, Gray, um, so that's all been a lot of fun, uh, but yeah, so today's topic is gonna be filled with scripture, um, what I wanted to do was, discuss what the Bible says about the Antichrist and the event that reveals him to the world, which is called the Abomination of Desolation. Um, This will be an exciting slash scary slash sensitive topic, Uh, and I say exciting because this is a prophetic event that has yet to happen, and since the Bible does not tell us an exact time of the rapture, uh, it's very possible that we as Christians could live through seeing this event. Um, I also say scary because, well, it's very possible that us Christians could live through this event. Um, And lastly, uh, I said sensitive because, you know, there's so many different views uh, when people discuss some of what I'll be discussing. So just know that I do my best to let Scripture interpret Scripture and that some of what I talk about today is based off of my view, okay? Um, You know, I'm not the Lone Ranger. My view is shared with a lot of, uh, you know, top scholars, um, but there are going to be multiple views. So, first, the Antichrist. Um, You know, we've all heard the name. We've all seen movies talk about him, but this Antichrist... Uh, has many names in scripture. Uh, You'll see him referred to as the beast, the little horn, the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, um, and a number of others. Uh, The word antichrist, and this might surprise you, uh, means one who opposes God or one who is against God. So he is antichrist. Now, there have been many antichrists throughout history, And some say that Antiochus Epiphanes and Hitler were antichrists. Both killed a significant amount of Jewish people. But there will be a final antichrist in the end times. 1 John 2.18 says, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the antichrist is coming, even now many antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. 
So what I want to do is give you guys a mental timeline to follow. It's going to be very easy, I promise. Um, I want to keep this very simple and save some extensive details, but I highly recommend that you go and read the book of Daniel uh, when you can, if you have not already. So Daniel was a prophet who was given many visions. Uh, In the Old Testament, we have what are called the 69 weeks of Daniel. Each week consists of seven years. Just like there are seven days in a week to us, there are seven years in a week to them. We believe, and when I say we, um, I mean myself and all the sources I used to study, that the final week of the 70th week of Daniel has yet to happen. Okay, so there's going to be 70 weeks. That last week has yet to happen. Okay, Um, the final week is largely described in the book of Revelation. So this will be a seven-year period sometime in the future. I want you to picture a line. The length of that line equals all seven years. So keep that image in your head but we will be coming back to that later. Let's go over some of the verses that introduce the Antichrist. First one I'll do is Revelation 6. Um, This is the start of the opening of the seven seals, which is the beginning of the seven-year period. And the first seal is depicting the emerging of the Antichrist. Okay, and I will be covering this in next episode, but just so everyone's on track... There's seven seals, okay? So there's going to be um, kind of this, uh, you know, script uh, or letter or whatever that's, uh, it's got seven seals on it, like wax seals. Um, And Jesus will be the one popping those off one by one. uh, And they are actually a significant event to uh, what the world will be going through. So going back to this, um, the first seal is depicting the emerging of the Antichrist. Uh, It says, I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow and was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. So the white horse represents peace. Okay, where the Antichrist will bring peace, but will come to conquer the world. The Antichrist is thought to conquer by deception in false religions and by way of war. And notice the similarities between the first seal and Jesus returning on his white horse. Um, You know, Satan is always trying to mimic God, um, and you can see the similarities here. Both come on a white horse, both have crowns, Jesus has a sword, the Antichrist has a bow, Uh, Jesus is God. The Antichrist wants to be God. So there are many ways that Satan tries to mimic God, which we'll cover another one later on. Uh, Next, we're going to take a look at Daniel 9.27, where Daniel says, He, the Antichrist, uh, will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. So if you picture the line I told you, Uh, which represents seven years. Daniel is saying that the Antichrist will confirm a covenant with the Jewish people for seven years. This covenant will allow the Jewish people to resume daily sacrifices. And keep in mind, 
the Jewish people, uh, they don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah or that he was the final sacrifice for all sins. The Jewish people want to get back to sacrificing daily, which is a total slap in the face to God because they're denying that his son uh, was indeed the Messiah who ended all need for sacrifice. Okay, so you're picturing the line I told you that represents seven years, and we just learned that the Antichrist will start a covenant that lasts seven years. So the signing of the covenant and the Jewish people uh, starting daily sacrifices is the beginning of the seven-year period, or in other words, uh, this is what starts the 70th and final week of Daniel that we've been waiting for. Um, The next description of the Antichrist is Revelations 13. Uh, It's the beast out of the sea. Now, the book of Revelation is very symbolic. So what I'm going to read is not exactly literal, but it has a lot of symbolism, which I can cover in another episode sometime. Um, But we will save that for a different period. So Revelations 13 says this says, the dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. Okay, so the dragon in this instance is Satan. And the beast is the Antichrist. So he's saying Satan at one point is giving his power, his throne, and all of his authority to the Antichrist. Uh, One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with the wonder and followed the beast. Okay, so here a lot of people think the Antichrist uh, could possibly die. Um, And then he's going to kind of resurrect from this fatal wound. Again, another mimic of a resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Um, I don't know. It's not expected to be three days later. That is the the two witnesses. But um, just kind of another instance. Um, It says people worship the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worship the beast and asked, who is like the beast and who can wage war against it? So the Antichrist, he's going to come in and he is just going to slaughter people and countries. He's going to be unstoppable. He's going to take over what he wants. He's going to have a huge military force. um, And basically these people are saying he's so powerful, you know, and, and nobody can stand a chance against him. Uh, So then it says the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. Okay, that's three and a half years. It opened its mouth to blasphemy God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Whoever has ears, let them hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. 
This calls for patience, endurance, and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Okay. Uh, there's a lot more to what that means. There's things like the Great Tribulation that happens. Um, but right now, you just kind of, we're going to introduce this as another introduction of the Antichrist. Um, let's jump over to 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 3. And this is titled, The Man of Lawlessness. Um, <clears throat> it says, Concerning the Coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him. So this is regarding the rapture. It says, We ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Okay, so this is Paul talking to the Thessalonian church who are afraid that they missed the rapture. And now they're currently in the middle of the day of the Lord. Okay, this is like a time of, of God's revenge or God's wrath. Um, so I'm going to cover some of this through my next episode. Um, but the day of the Lord comes after the rapture. Okay, and like I said, it's a time of God's divine wrath. Uh, there are many verses that discusses the day of the Lord as a terrible, terrible day. Um, which again will be the wrath of God on all the unrighteous. But the nice thing is, is God promises that this will not be a time that anyone who's saved will have to endure. Uh, verse 3 goes on to say, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day, which is the day of the Lord, will not come until the rebellion occurs, or also called the great falling away, and the man of lawlessness is revealed the man doomed to destruction. Okay, so jumping to verse 5, it says, Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now that you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he's taken out of the way. So this is saying that the Antichrist is at work secretly before someone who is holding him back from his full potential stops doing so. Verse 8 goes on, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow at the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. So we see here that the Antichrist will be ruling for some time before, that, uh, before someone that's holding him back uh, stops doing so. Well, which will then allow the Antichrist to be in full power mode and start get, killing God's people and ruling the world. Um, but after a period of time, and we saw he gets authority for three and a half years, um, then Jesus will return to the earth. He'll kill Satan, kill the false prophet, and the Antichrist. Um, and and I, I apologize. He, he comes to send them to hell. Okay. Um, it will be forever for the false prophet and for the Antichrist. But later on in, in Revelation, we see that uh, Satan is actually uh, released from uh, hell or um, Hades to come back for a short while. Um, okay, so it's important also not to confuse this timing with uh, the rapture. Okay, the returning of Jesus in this scenario with the rapture. Because uh, they're, they're two separate events, the rapture versus 
the, the returning of Jesus on the white horse for the Battle of Armageddon. So we're going to go back to Daniel 9.27, which said, He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. Okay, but after that, it says, In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. Uh, and at the Temple Mount, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. So on this seven-year timeline now, you have at the beginning is the Antichrist allowing for sacrifices, but in the middle, which is three and a half years in, he says, just kidding, no more sacrifices. Okay. Um, so now some believe that the abomination of desolation has already been fulfilled because in 167 BC, a Greek ruler by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes set up an altar to Zeus over the altar of burnt offerings in the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. Uh, He also sacrificed a pig on the altar in the temple of Jerusalem, which was a big no-no for the Jewish people. They called this event the Abomination of Desolation. However, in Matthew 24, 15, Jesus was speaking some 200 years after that fact. So Jesus must have been prophesying that sometime in the future, another abomination of desolation would occur in a newly built Jewish temple in Jerusalem, which has not yet been built. So, excuse me. So I keep saying the words abomination of desolation, and if you haven't quite figured out what that is, I'm going to explain it with scripture. The first verse that we're going to look at is Mark 13, 14. This is talking about the destruction of the future temple and signs of the end times. It says, When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. So in the Old Testament, abomination usually is referring to some kind of idol. So we know it's just not any kind of abomination, but rather something like worshiping something other than God. The desolation is something that causes the temple to either be unclean or to be physically destroyed. The verse says, standing where it does not belong. So we have an idea of who it is that is standing where it does not belong, but where is he standing? Okay. Um, so if we look at Matthew 24, 15, which is a parallel verse to Mark, it says, so when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel. So Matthew clarifies that the Antichrist is actually standing in the holy place. And the holy place would be inside the temple. And from what scripture prophecy leads us to believe, there will be another temple built in Israel, uh, which 10 years ago, that was even a joke to consider Um, But today, it's becoming a very serious possibility. So finally, in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 4, it says, He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. So to me, it seems that the abomination of desolation will be the Antichrist standing in the temple, proclaiming to be God himself. Uh, The Antichrist will come onto the scene uh, 
And I believe that he'll be an ordinary man that possibly is possessed by a demon. So he'll be, he could be on the earth today. Uh, he could be a child. He could be a full-grown man. He could be ready to emerge at any point. He could not even be born yet. We just don't know. But he is just going to come up out of nowhere and quickly and by deceit. Um, and so I think that this will be a man who's possibly possessed uh, by a demon. In Second Thessalonians 2, we learn that there's someone who is keeping the Antichrist from being revealed and from beginning his massacre of the Jewish and Gentile nations. Um, some people think that the one holding him back is the Holy Spirit. And once the rapture happens, then the church, along with the Holy Spirit inside believers, would be gone so that um, he's not holding him back anymore. And I happen to disagree with that because most who believe this, they believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. And if it's the Holy Spirit holding him back and stops when the church age is gone, um, that would mean... That he's revealed at the beginning of the seven-year period, uh, which he is not. And uh, he's revealed for who he truly is at the midpoint of the, uh, you know, with the abomination of desolation. Also, I believe that the Holy Spirit will continue to present itself on this earth uh, even after the church is gone. Because there will be many martyrs that are here during that time who become saved and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Um, my belief is that uh, the Archangel Michael is the one that is standing in the way. Now, there are a number of reasons why I believe this, but I'll keep it short. Um, the Archangel Michael has long been recognized by both Jewish and Christian scholars as having a special guardian relationship with Israel. Uh, Daniel 11 ends with discussing the midpoint of the seven-year period. And so Daniel 12.1 starts by saying, At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as such as had not happened from the beginning of nations until then. So this verse is discussing the Great Tribulation, which commences after the abomination of desolation and the, after the Antichrist is revealed. So Matthew 24, 21 through 22 says, For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Okay, so the Great Tribulation will be an absolute massacre of the Jewish people uh, and the death of many, many Christians. Jesus himself says that not a single elect would remain alive if it wasn't for God cutting it short. So think about what that says. This is saying that during the Great Tribulation, when the Antichrist is given authority to kill, it will be like nothing ever before, meaning it well surpasses the mass killings of the Jewish people from the Nazis. Um, it's unclear in the Bible if the church will go through any of this Great Tribulation. There's many views on that. Both sides have good arguments as to whether uh, or not we will. 
But regardless of who might be correct, um, this is going to be an extremely dangerous and challenging time that will take great faith for those believers uh, or those who become believers because essentially it's going to be worship the Antichrist in his image or die. You know, that's going to be the life. Um, Next episode, I will discuss um, my thoughts on the rapture and the timing, um, which I think is a lot of fun. Some people don't really like to get into that, but I really enjoy it. So we'll go into more detail on my next episode and just kind of give you my my view on that and and the reasons behind it. Um, So, yeah, to further add why I believe Michael is the one keeping the Antichrist from uh, beginning the Great Tribulation on the saints is that Michael said, or I'm sorry, Daniel said that Michael will stand up during a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. So the time of trouble seems to be referring to the Great Tribulation. And since Daniel is told that his great troubles relate to his people and his people are the Jews, then this can only be the time of Jacob's trouble, which is a synonym for the Great Tribulation. Um, It is at that time that the Archangel Michael will stand up. Now, keep in mind that a huge part of this trouble will take place on the Jewish people in Israel, but it will spread to Christians all over the world, um, and they will be persecuted and killed. So it says that Michael will stand up. So what does that mean? Um, What's the Hebrew word for stand up mean? So uh, there's an individual named Rashi, who is one of Israel's greatest scholars. He understands stand up to literally mean stand still. So the meaning to him is to stand aside or to be inactive. Michael, the guardian of Israel, had earlier fought for her in Daniel 10, 13, and 21. But now this one who standeth for the children of Daniel's people would now stand still or stand aside. He will no longer protect Israel. He will no longer restrain the Antichrist. Let me show you one other area where we seem to see Michael being involved at the midpoint of the seven-year period, which is the abomination of desolation. Uh, Again, which is right uh, before the Antichrist begins to slaughter all the Jewish people and then moves on to the rest of believers. Uh, I'm going to go over Revelation chapter 12, which is titled The Woman and the Dragon. Revelation, again, has many symbolic as well as literal descriptions in it. Um, So I'm going to give a brief breakdown as to what this one is and how it was written. And the first thing to know about this is it's not a linear passage. We're used to reading everything from beginning to end, but this chapter is a different style of writing called a uh, chiastic structure. It's an ancient way of writing in which a group of ideas are presented and then repeated in reverse order. So an example is the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Okay, it also helped a lot of people um, be able to memorize verses and memorize events and things. Um, Okay, so also if there's a central portion, 
um, then the triasmus focuses on that thought. Okay, so here's what I mean. If we look at 1 John 3, 9, you have line 1 would be no one who is born of God. And the last line would be because he is born of God. These mirror each other and both use the word born of God. So then the second and the fourth line, they will mirror each other, which is practices sin and he cannot sin. These both use the word sin. So lastly, the central line, which is the main focus, there is a central line left, is because his seed abides in him. Okay, so which is the reason he cannot practice sin. So that's the central thought. Um, There's hundreds of these in the Bible. It's not just unique to this one chapter. Um, So uh, I thought I'd I'd mention that. Um, But yeah, I'm going to discuss Revelation 12 and then explain how the chiastic structure works for it. Um, So it says, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out, in pain as she was about to give birth. So the woman in Israel, um, she's about to give birth to a son, which is Jesus. Uh, then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Okay, so um, there's the symbolicness, you know, that has meaning, but I'm not going to go into that yet. Just keeping it simple, the red dragon is Satan. Okay, it goes on to say, Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. Okay, so these stars are the angels that Lucifer convinced to rebel with him and to leave heaven. It goes on to say, The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. So uh, this is referring to uh, Satan. You know, he was determined to try and stop God's plan by killing Jesus. And if you look at Matthew 2.16, you'll see how King Herod was essentially inspired by Satan to kill Jesus. And when he learned that he was tricked uh, about being told where Jesus was going to be born... He had ordered every baby in and around Bethlehem to be killed. Um, Any baby that I believe was, you know, two years or younger. Um, So, let's see. I'm trying to keep track of my verses here. Um, Yeah, so uh, basically Herod was unsuccessful. Uh, Jesus, of course, was protected by God um, for up to around the 33 years. And then was crucified and ascended into heaven. So these first five verses are reminding us why the dragon, Satan, hates the woman, Israel, so much. Uh, It's because she produced Jesus, our Savior. Um, Okay, then it continues saying, The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. 
The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So we're going to skip down to verse 13, where it says, When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Okay, so now he's pursuing Israel. He wants to kill Israel. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time out of the serpent's reach. Okay, so um, times, time, and half a time, that is uh, two years, one year, and half a year. So time, two years, times, one year, and half a time, half a year. Actually, I might have said that wrong, sorry. It, uh, it might be that time is one year, times is two year, and half a time is, is half a year. Either way, it comes out to three and a half years. So, uh, jumping to verse 17, Then the dragon was enraged at the woman uh, and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. So, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Okay, so when Satan is permanently cast from heaven, he will know his time is short and he will wage war against Israel and then will eventually go off to wage war against her offspring, which is the church. So here's how the triastic structure works. In the first five verses, we see the dragon pursue the male child and in the final verses, he pursues the rest of the offspring, which is the church. Then the woman is nourished for 1,260 days. And then later, it's mirrored when she's nourished for times time and half a time. Okay. Um, so we have Michael overcomes the dragon in heaven. And then you have the saints who overcome the dragon on earth. So this brings us to the most important part, which is the central part which is Satan cast out of heaven. And what's also interesting is that chapter 12 is the central chapter of Revelation. So it's kind of like the idea of Satan being cast out of heaven is the central idea of the book of Revelation. Um, so we know that the event of Satan being cast from heaven uh, is an event that happened in the past when Lucifer was cast from heaven and convinced a third of the angels to come with him. So it appears to be that in the past, you have the casting out of Satan, but it wasn't permanent. Because we've seen in Job that he can still come and talk to God, and in Ephesians where it says he's still roaming in heavenly places. However, I believe that at the midpoint of the 70th week, the casting out of heaven uh, when he loses to the archangel Michael will be permanent. Daniel 12, 11 through 10, 12 says, From the time that the daily sacrifices is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. So we are learning here that in Daniel, that from the time the Antichrist stops daily sacrifices, there will be 1,290 days or three and a half years from the return of Jesus for the battle of Armageddon. 
Um, So that's not meaning the rapture, since we don't know the exact day of the rapture. But the Bible is telling us how long before Jesus returns for the battle of Armageddon and to kill the Antichrist and the false prophet. So what we just learned is that the 70th week of Daniel is going to be seven years long. The Antichrist allows for sacrifices at the beginning of the seven years. Then halfway through, or about three and a half years, he stops them and the Great Tribulation commences. Then, three and a half years from then, Jesus will come. He'll destroy the Antichrist and the false prophet and, of course, send Satan into hell. The false prophet is one that's described in Revelation 13 who will perform signs and wonders and promote the worshiping of the Antichrist. This is another mimicking on Satan's part. You have what is called the unholy trinity. Satan mimics God, the Father. The Antichrist mimics God, the Son. And the false prophet mimics God, the Holy Spirit. So, to wrap up, there will be a literal seven-year period that will happen in the future. The Antichrist will come on the scene, possibly as a man possessed by a demon, and will confirm a covenant with the Jewish people. Three and a half years in, something happens. And that is where I believe the battle between Michael and Satan takes place. And I think Satan is permanently cast out of heaven during Revelations 12. And he realizes that his time is short. He's got three and a half years. Uh, He then gives his total authority, power, and throne to the Antichrist. And at that midpoint, which is the time of abomination of desolation... So Michael, who was protecting Israel, will no longer do so. And the Antichrist, who has the entire power of Satan, will now go on to cause a great distress unlike anything uh, this earth has ever seen and like nothing that will ever compare to it. So uh, that's going to be it for this episode. Um, You know, those are the main points behind the Antichrist and the abomination of desolation. Uh, I appreciate you guys sticking with me on this. Uh, It took me a long time to kind of put it in an order that made sense, wouldn't lose you, hopefully. um, You know, I know it could be a little more boring with just scripture, but these are some things I needed to cover to make my next episode make sense um, and to be more enjoyable to listen to. Um, So next episode, I'm going to explain my view on the rapture and why I currently do not believe in a pre-tribulational rapture, uh, meaning that the church will escape all seven years, um, as well as that the day of the Lord is uh, of what it is, and that I think it has a big part in determining the timing of the rapture and why I think the church will enter the seven-year period, but will be taken away before God's wrath. So once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking through it. Next episode will be a lot of fun, um, especially now that this timeline's been established. Everything over there will make a lot of sense. So see you next time.